everybody. It's Miss Asheville USA 2020, Madeline Delp, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen, because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today is an entrepreneur, speaker, and pageant role model who loves to chase bold adventures. Her journey of going from being a shy and newly paralyzed 10-year-old with spinal cord injuries to climbing Mount Rushmore, base jumping, traveling the world, and winning Miss Wheelchair USA shows the truth that we can all define our own potential. Her passion is to share this message while on speaking tours with anyone dealing with life disabilities. She continued her passion of inspiring empowered living in 2016 by founding a nonprofit organization called Live Boundless, which helps to deliver wheelchairs to medically underserved countries around the world. Her recent adventures include being the first girl in a wheelchair to compete in Miss North Carolina USA, which, by the way, this year she finished in the top 10, and also traveling to the Philippines and Ecuador for wheelchair delivery projects, along with shark cage diving. Yeah, that's right, in Florida, just to keep things interesting. I've had the distinct honor and pleasure to get to know her the last two years, Madeline Delp. Always great to have you. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Tim. So excited to be here. So shark diving, huh? Let me let me hear about this. Oh, you haven't heard the story? No. Oh, my goodness. So I, just for fun, went down to Florida <laughs> and decided to go shark cage diving. Well, we were on the boat. It was like an hour off the coast of Florida, and the guy said, okay, everyone, like, we're just going to jump and free dive today. We're not going to use the cage. <laughs> so he's throwing big chunks of, um, of bait in the water, and I jump in, and there was a hammerhead that showed a little too much interest in me. It was, like, going up against my leg, and all I could think was, like, just go for the legs, please. Like, <laughs> if that's where you're going to eat, like, I won't lose too much there. So... It was a it was a scary experience. Luckily, I ended up okay, but you know. You're braver than me, so way to go. <laughs> well, hey, let's uh, just get right into the conversation. Um, you have inspired a ton of people across the country the past two years. They've seen you compete in the pageant, um, and your name has come up in former podcasts that I've had. When uh, Shandy Fennessy and I were talking just about the diversity of contestants that have entered the pageant world, and especially in the Miss USA system. And you know, I, yeah. I guess what I want to do is uh, obviously we need to kind of go back to um, the beginning of you know what has been presented as a challenge to you, and that is a spinal cord injury. Um, can you tell everybody your story of uh, how it happened? Because you weren't born with this. This was something that actually happened to you during your life. Yeah, that's right. So it was when I was 10 years old and it was through a car accident. My mom and I were driving home one night and were just hit by a truck. I was completely crushed in the back so much so that the uh, first responders had to 
like cut me out of the car and breathe for me because I wasn't even breathing and sent me to the hospital. Didn't think I would make it. And after a few weeks in a coma, I woke up to a whole new reality, which was the fact that I couldn't move my legs anymore. And obviously that was extremely terrifying. But I think the hardest part was coming home to a whole new reality, which wasn't the fact that I couldn't walk, but it was rather that I felt so out of place in my normal world and I didn't feel like I was accepted the same. So I was like, my school literally said that I had to find somewhere else to go because they didn't want to become accessible. I, several people in my family didn't even talk to me anymore. And it's hard to even believe now, but it was so isolating. And then I even had um, members of my church that said, oh, you know, you're being punished. You've done something wrong. And that's why you were in a, that's why you were injured. And so I was just surrounded with so much fear and shame for so long. And it took a major wake up call to be able to get out of that. So I like to say that it wasn't that I was just, my disability was in my body, it was in my mind. And so I had to really free myself from that to to find freedom. And, and that's why I've pursued all the things that I have is because it's showing myself I'm not held back by anything anymore. And no mentality, no people, no negativity can can stop me from, from doing all that I dream to do in my life. Well, let's talk about, I, I guess, that specific thing, because I think what's fascinating about that, uh, that mindset, if you will, is that, you know, anybody that listens to this podcast, if you are listening, I would say that 99% of us don't have a physical handicap. And yet there are things that happen to us where we get down and depressed and, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this and that. And you have things in your life that are so much more difficult than any of us deal with. I guess my, my real question that I would love for people to hear from your mouth is, how did you find that moment or that inspiration in your life to say, you know what? Yeah, I've been dealt these cards, but here's what I'm going to do and here's why. Well, I would have to say it start, It was in phases. So the first time was when my mom uh, decided that we were, we were going to move. We were leaving her whole town. We went to Detroit, Michigan and stayed there for a year. And I got away from a lot of the really negative factors in my life. So it was a point where I saw, okay, there is something more to me than all of these people who are feeding these words of negativity. Uh, but the real like shift happened when I was 19, 20, and I was in college. I had dropped out of my classes because I had gotten so sick from stomach ulcers. I had been to the emergency room three times from anxiety and panic attacks. I had been almost practically fired from my job because I couldn't like come to work enough because I was so sick and I had basically hit rock bottom. And so I wanted an escape. I wanted an escape from the reality that I was in. I didn't want to be the same person anymore. I wanted to just 
change. And so I did something radical. And I went in the office of my study of the study abroad department in uh, the university. And I signed up for a study abroad in Germany. And like a couple months later, went for a whole semester abroad. And I did something that was so radically outside of my comfort zone and forced myself to change, forced myself to be something more than I thought I could be. And that started like this domino effect of constantly challenging my assumptions of what I could do. So like you said, we all have disabilities in life. And I think a really good way to challenge those is by like targeting and focusing in on what scares me the most. And then do it. That'll so, change you real fast. <laughs> so, so what was it about the study abroad that really, uh, I guess, changed your mind? Because I've, I've seen you get around. I mean, you get around really good. I mean, I'm, I'm actually having trouble keeping up with you when I'm around you. And I know, <laughs> well, I know traveling out of the country is one thing. But was there, were there certain physical things that changed for you that you felt like, okay, I, I can do this? Yeah, I had never lived on my own by that point. And I had to get an apartment myself in a country where I didn't speak the language very well, at least at the time. And I just had so many physical challenges getting around in, in Europe isn't always easy, especially with things like cobblestone and steps everywhere. So I was very challenged at a lot of physical levels, but it was, it was the mental level of being so far from home and and being away from all of my comfort zones and having to say, I can do this. I am independent. And then when I did it, it made me realize like, oh, I didn't think I could do this this whole time. And then I can, like, even though it's a struggle and even though I cried almost every day for the first week, like I did it. And I had to feed that like belief into myself in order to, to grow. Well, let's talk about where pageantry came in. So uh, you're 26 yeah. now. Um, the accident happened when you were 10. So it's been 16 years. Um, at what point along the line did pageantry come into play and how did it come into play? So someone had invited me to participate in Miss Wheelchair North Carolina. And at the time, I didn't even know such a thing existed. I Never thought pageantry would be the thing for me, but I had gotten on this kick of doing things that really challenged me and that were new. So I thought, okay, yeah, let's try. Give this a try. And I went on to compete and I won and just had a whole year of speaking all across the state and meeting so many different people and realizing I had this passion for speaking and being an advocate and being like an example of hope for, for women and girls and really anybody. Um, well, then I went on to Miss Wheelchair USA and somehow won that too. <laughs> and so just had the absolute like incredible opportunity to travel all around the U.S. And so I went to 35 states within wow. a year. Yeah. And spoke to countless organizations, met with government officials, you know, actually talked to members of the Senate in Washington, D.C. about changing laws for people with disabilities. And it was just a very powerful time. Well, I had this little girl in a wheelchair come up to me in one, at one of the events, and she said, do you think that someone who looks like us could ever be considered pretty enough to be in the, 
in the real Miss USA. And, oh, that hit me so hard because I I didn't know what to say to her, honestly. And I I felt like, in my mind, I didn't even think that was a, a possibility. And it kind of ate away at me for months and months. And that's why I decided to compete in Miss North Carolina USA, or at least one of the many reasons, because I was like, you know what, there are so many people who, who don't believe that they're good enough, who don't see their own beauty. And how, how can I change that stereotype? And how can I really shake up the Miss USA system and show something that's very different, but that can be equally just as beautiful? And, and that's a lot of my motivation in, in competing in the system. When you uh, decided that you were going to do Miss USA, did you know at the time that you were uh, able to compete or did you have to look up the rules to make sure that you were able to compete? Was that, was that part of your scenario? So what I did was I <laughs> looked up Miss Paula Miles and found her on LinkedIn and wrote her. And we had a conversation the next day and she's the, um, the president of the Miss North Carolina USA system, as you very well know. And she was like, you know what? We would love to have you. Like, we'll make it work. Just tell us what you need and we'll find a way to do it. So I felt very welcomed by her right off the bat and uh, obviously nervous, but it, um, it didn't seem like it was out of the question. No, I mean, I remember when they told me you were going to be competing, we were excited. And I, you know, I remember for the stage, we actually built a ramp that year. Um, because yes. you know, the girls, yeah, as you know, I mean, they normally come down the middle and, uh, <laughs> I remember the first time you, re- you remember this, the first time you came down that ramp, yep. <laughs> you, you were hustling and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> and I think the judges thought you were going to ramp into the audience, but yeah, you, 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 you navigate so well and did like a spin. And I was like, wow. Okay. She's got this down. <laughs> Those poor judges probably felt they didn't, you know, scored me well. I was just going to aim right for them. <laughs> I remember that. I thought I thought there was a chance that I was going to go off the stage that first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, North Carolina, USA, the past two years has been the toughest Miss pageant in the country. Kaylin Miller-Keys gets runner-up at Miss USA. Obviously, Chesley uh, this year won Miss USA. So you're not just competing in any state. I mean, you're competing in one of the toughest states in the country in the Miss division. Last year, you get top 15. This year, you get top 10. Um, and I know you've dealt with flack for that. Um, so I want to talk about it because I, I, I know people yeah. that follow me know that I was I was publicly defending you. You know, I was I was kind of ticked off, probably like you were, that people kind of felt like you were getting, uh, I guess, what we'll call uh, brownie points for having a wheelchair. Um, I, I guess talk about, you know, how you've dealt with that and, and what your thoughts are on it. Yeah. First of all, I want to say it meant so much to me that you did stand up for me because well, you're very I welcome. was really nervous putting it out there and saying, hey, guys, like this is something that I just want everybody to know. This is what I'm I'm dealing with. And I just want to face it head on like this is not this is not the truth so I got quite a few comments um privately and some publicly of people saying oh well I hope she doesn't get all of the pity votes because that wouldn't be fair to the other girls or yeah I just got you know she was just because of the chair you know they felt bad for her and and that was so offensive to me because all I could think was if anything it's the I feel sometimes it's the opposite I'm having to show them above and beyond that this is not going to be an issue like 
look, see me, see, see beyond the chair. And not only that, but I have worked so hard in so many unique and different ways to be where I am now professionally and privately to grow and be the best representative that I can. And that has nothing to do with the chair. It's just a part of my story. But in a way, I can see how people can see the difficulty with that. It's either, you know, on one spectrum, oh, you know, she's getting favoritism because people feel bad for her. And on the other end, like, oh, she couldn't be a contestant because she looks too different. So it's like, I, I believe that it is very much a happy medium that they're judging me fairly. And that's what I 100% am going into it believing. Um, and I hope other people can see that as a continue in the system. Well, and, and um, for, you know, for those negative people out there, I mean, I understand where they're coming from. I mean, they're looking at it going, well, it's not apples to apples. You know, she's doing the yeah. walk and Madeline's not. <laughs> so I guess from your standpoint, when you go to prepare for onstage competition, um, being that, you know, obviously the walk is not part of that for you, how do you prepare and what did you feel like you needed to do to, I guess, execute that part of the competition? <laughs> well, to be honest, the first year I didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of went out there and did my best. But the second year, this um, just a couple weeks ago, I was very strategic with how I did it. So I did stage training with past Miss USA, Mia Sanchez, and she worked with me to work to present myself in the same way that people do when they're walking. So she told me, it's not about whether you're walking or rolling. It's about the fact that you're showing the same amount of confidence and poise and strength as anybody else out there. And when you do your turns, you look back at them and you smile and you shine and just brighten up the room with your presence. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter about anything else. And so I took those words and every day I went into the yoga studio at my gym and I would go back and forth in front of the mirror, like turning and doing my um, little hand on my hip and giving the look. And it wasn't the posturing as much as it was as practicing how to shine, practicing how to let my confidence just glow through me because that was the important part. And I believe that when you take that on stage, then that's the main thing that you need. It doesn't matter what's going on <laughs> from their hips down. Well, I remember watching you the first time you competed. I mean, you know, you're talking to somebody who's seen literally thousands of girls come across that stage. And I just remember thinking to myself, wow, I, I, I guess I didn't know what to expect, you know, because um, I've never seen somebody compete in a wheelchair. And I thought, man, she is killing it up there. And, and in prelims, I, I remember saying to myself, she legitimately could make the 15. You know, I, I really thought that because obviously the second day we make the cut right off the bat and boom, there you were, you made it. And, yeah. you know, I think, I think we were witnessing history right there. And it was just really cool how you handled it, how well you handled yourself and how you overcame, you know, stereotypes and negativity and pessimism and all that kind of stuff to, to get there. And I am just so proud of you. And I know I'm, I'm asking really raw and tough questions here, but I know that you and I have talked about this before and I know you're comfortable answering them. So thank you, number yeah. one, for that. But number two, I, I'm just so proud of you. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me, especially coming from you. And I think having you there really helped because you were such like a warm and welcoming presence that made me feel comfortable being there because it was hard. I will never, I will never say that it wasn't because, you know, when you're sitting down looking up at girls who have just legs for days and 
are able to have a whole different presence. I like the first go around, I felt extremely insecure. And it was a, it was a big mental battle. The second time I learned how to prep myself a lot better to be able to have a, um, a self-confidence that exceeded whatever other competition was there around me. And, but I want to thank you for, for helping me to, to feel comfortable in my own skin both years. You're just, you're such an amazing host and presence to have well, you're having welcome. the pageant. You're very welcome. And I think the one thing that I, I will tell you and everybody listening is, you know, look, I understand it's pageants and it's a judged competition. And yes, there is going to be a winner and a loser and et cetera. But I think the one thing that I always try to do that it sounds like it comes off that way, and I certainly always hope it does, is that I try to look at a spirit and not a body or a look. Mm, um, you know, mm-hmm. when I when I see somebody's spirit when they come on stage, whether or not I believe they have a shot in hell of winning or not, <laughs> um, you know, and, and your spirit on stage, I mean, I w- you know, you could just tell that you were there. You know, you really were giving it your all. You were excited. You were treated everybody else so great. I, didn't you get Miss Congeniality or am I dreaming? I did both years, actually. So that was an honor for sure. Yeah. And I think that's the key is that, you know, no matter why you're competing or no matter what you think you can or can't do, bring a great spirit and just just enjoy it and make friends and and just have a good time. And, you know, I I think for all of us, you know, the maturity that we present is that we don't look at somebody as, quote unquote, different, but yet all all a part of the same thing that we're trying to do. And, you know, I know that's challenging for people. I get it. But at the end of the day, I mean, you can really show great maturity by, you know, looking at someone who obviously has a different capability than you or, you know, I do and saying we're all here doing the same thing. Exactly. And it is about the person who is going to be representing the state and the country and, and not how they look on, you know, in, a, in the pictures or on a magazine cover. It's about how they interact with every person they touch along the way and how they're influencing all the people who are looking up to them. And I strive to be the best version of that that I can to prepare myself for if I do win. So but thank you. I appreciate well, yeah. all your words. You're welcome and keep doing what you're doing. Now, um, you mind if I tell right. the uh, you mind if I tell the Reno story? Oh, go for it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get finished uh, hosting Teen USA. Um, I flew back home for a couple of days, came out the morning of Miss USA back to Reno. And as I'm walking through the, the casino lobby there uh, at the Grand Sierra Resort, here's Madeline. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, I drove out here to watch Chesley. I'm like, you drove from North Carolina to Reno? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, who are you here with? She's like, nobody. I just came out to watch her. I'm thinking, oh, my, what a dedicated friend. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> give me the background to, to, to you know. Wanting to take the trip and doing yeah. it. I mean, that's a that's a long, long drive. Yeah, it is. So just to give you some, yeah, like you said, some background of that. I had decided that I was going to drive cross country. And I'd been working with a company to show off this car that was completely adapted for a chair, had a ramp come out, hand controls, the whole nine yards. And... I was like, you know, the best way to show this would just be driving all around the country and all kinds of different areas and just showing how anybody with any kind of disability can be independent with their lives. And I knew that Miss uh, USA was coming up, but at the time, I didn't know exactly where it was going to be, but I was like, there's a good chance that I can make it if, 
it's somewhere near where I'm going to be when the dates are and the place is released. So I start off on this journey, was driving for a month and a half all by myself from North Carolina, the southern route down through Los um, Angeles and then up to uh, San Francisco. And then when I was in LA, I found out that it was going to be in Reno and like the exact same time I was going to be in Nevada. And I was so excited. So I was like, yes, I am going. We're going to make it happen and got to cheer on Chesley. And then when I saw you there, I was like, okay, this is perfect. So we, we had a good time that night. We had to, got to hang out with some fun people too. Yeah. So let's tell that story. Uh, so Chesley wins. <laughs> um, you know, obviously that's just an over-the-top experience for both of us since, you know, we were part of the uh-huh. same pageant and everything. Uh, but exactly. um, here, here's the fun story. So uh, after Miss USA, normally there is some sort of after party. Um, for the contestants, the staff, everybody that's in the production, et cetera. So uh, I'm walking through the lobby uh, with Nick and Vanessa, and they get a VIP booth in this club that's right next to where the theater was. And it's only got, (laughs) you know, so many spots for people, and everybody wanted to be in the VIP booth, of course. Uh, But it was basically just Nick and Vanessa, a couple of their friends, um, Nia and I, and then MUO staff and some of the state directors. Well, Madeline rolls into the club, and I see her down there, and she's like, can I come up there? And I'm like, I I don't know if there's room, but let me see. And talked to the security guy, ended up getting her up into the VIP booth. And, you know, for those of you who've been to a club, and I'm sure that's most of you listening, I was sitting up on the back of one of the seats, you know, in the lounge there. And Madeline says, can I sit up there with you? And now I'm just being 100% transparent here. I was like, how are you going to sit up here with me? And she's like, well, just pick me up and put me up there with you. You can take me out of my chair. And I was like, okay. So I picked Madeline up and I set her up there next to me. And we were sitting on the booth and uh, Nick walked by and I said, hey, Nick, I said, Madeline is a huge fan of yours. And you know what? This is what she, I, I, I think Nick's a great host and a good guy, but he really won some, some points with me. He sat down with us for 20 minutes and talked to you. And, and I mean, he just really mm-hmm. he, he just kind of muted everybody else out and just focused on you. And I was uh, I was real impressed. And it was a really nice thing of him to do. And uh, talk about your experience of meeting a you know, uh, somebody that you had a crush on, so to speak. <laughs> I think I did at one point in my life for sure. But, oh my gosh, that was so surreal. And listening to the story back, I'm like almost amused at myself for me just being like, hey, Tim, <laughs> can you pick me up and put me on the, the thing and then introduce me to Nick? And that was fun. But I think I ended up dancing with some of the final contestants. And I don't know if you saw this, but we were, someone was spinning me around and actually like went backwards out of the chair. Did you see that? <laughs> I don't think I saw that. <laughs> Yeah, so so even more fun happened happened because of that. So you never know what you're gonna have in this USA. That's for sure. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm just glad you got that time. experience, and and you know, the, the drive to Reno was definitely worth it for you. It was, it was, it was so great. Yeah, I think it's just for anybody out there. I highly recommend at least one point in your life taking the drive all around the U.S. alone or with with a friend. Just it's a like a transformational experience. You have to dig deep for that, for sure. Well, let's uh, move beyond pageantry here a little bit. I want to talk about your organization called Live Boundless. Um, and yeah. for, for those of you listening, if you remember at the beginning, it, it's an organization that delivers wheelchairs to medically underserved countries. Obviously, I, I know the passion behind why you did it, but just talk about the creation of it and, and what your hopes were with it when you began. I had just won Miss Wheelchair USA, and I realized 
pretty quickly that I wanted to be able to create something that would go beyond the year that would really like showcase all that I was passionate about, but in a very humanitarian way. And so I founded Live Boundless and just hit the ground running with it (laughs) and um, (laughs) um, started raising money and we started sending chairs out on these deliveries. So at this point, it's been two years now, we have delivered almost 400 wheelchairs all around the world. And yeah, so I just got back from Ecuador just a week ago. Yeah, a week ago today. And we were working with a team of guys who had literally been waiting for chairs for more than 10 years. And it was heartbreaking for me to see how how much people you know, want to have access to mobility, but just are not in the right social situation to be able to access it. So while I was there, actually something pretty incredible happened. I met with the governor of Ibarra, which was the city that I was in. And he took a liking to what I was doing and the project. And he's like, you come back here, we'll, we'll get you with the president of Ecuador. And work on a mobility project for the entire country. So I just was absolutely stunned, obviously, but it really showed me that sometimes you want to do something to help your world and you don't exactly know how, but all you have to do is get started and do that small step and you never know how that's going to snowball. And then all of a sudden you're going to you know, have the chance to meet a president of a country and talk about entire reform for a nation and, and how it can just become so much bigger than you thought it would. So I know you know that's true with all that you've done as well. Let me let me say this, and I think a lot of people who are listening, you know, if you've been on a mission trip or if you've done some charitable work, you know, people usually provide people with one of three things. You know, they set them up with maybe water or food or they, you know, build them a new shelter or something like that. In your situation, meeting people who literally go through what you go through on a daily basis and knowing that they have not had a way to get around and you literally are able to deliver them that vehicle to be able to do so, um, it must have been incredibly emotional for you. It's extremely emotional. I've met people with my exact same injury who were laying in a bed somewhere, and that's heartbreaking. But at the same time, it's so fantastic to see their face when they, they get something that literally changes their whole life. So it reaffirms my purpose, and on a whole other note, makes me grateful for all the things that I've been through. Obviously, this being injured, dealing with a lot of the personal things that I dealt with for many years were extremely challenging, but I had to go through that to become stronger. I had to go through that to become the person I am today. And because I went through that transformation, now I'm a woman who can drastically impact the lives of others, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. Well, I know one of the other things that you do uh, is speak to people. What is it like to speak to people, and, and what do you speak about when you talk to them? So a lot of what I speak about is how to, first of all, learn how to take control of your life, learn how to take control of what you are able to do. So a lot of the times we focus on our lack, or we're always focusing on where we wish we could be in our lives. But the truth is, you can't, a lot of times you can't do anything about things that are circumstantial. Like I can't do anything about the thing that I can't walk (laughs) or that I, you know, didn't have a father that was present, for example. I can't change that. But I can change the fact that Every day, I can wake up and do the most with what I have. That's what every one of our challenges is, is to look at how we can maximize our own potential. So 
I talk a lot about that, but then also how to turn a lot of your weaknesses into strengths, how to see the benefit in each challenge that we face in life and maximize that. So I've changed so much as a person by actually sharing a lot of my journey and using that to inspire others. It it really changes your perspective on, on why you're here in the world and me specifically, why I'm here. And I just, oh, it's been such an honor to find that passion so early. Well, you mentioned the story earlier about the little girl. Um, asking if, you know, someone like you or her could compete in Miss USA, which I'm sure was just an incredible moment. Is that at the top of the list of powerful moments that you've had when you've met people, um, you know, through inspiring others? Or was there another one that sticks out in your mind? That's definitely on the top. I uh, had um, a message on Instagram a couple of months ago of a guy who said, I just want you to know you saved my life. And you don't know me, but... I have been following you for a little while now, and I was going to commit suicide um, because I didn't think that I had a life after this injury, but you showed me how much more there is to life when you when you focus on what you can, can do, and I'm radically changing my perspective because of watching you, and I couldn't even believe what I was reading at the time. I still get chills thinking about it, but like you never know who... Who's is watching. watching you. Yeah, exactly. So that's why on the stage or not, like you got to shine your light as bright as you can and and just be that example for others because like you never know whose life you could literally save. And and that's what I remind myself when I have hard days, when I don't want to get out of bed, when, you know, even working out for the pageant, for example, when it's so physically hard in my body that I don't think that I can continue on. I remember who, what little girl or what you know, person is going to be inspired by this journey. And then, and that's what gives you the motivation to keep going. Well, good for you. And wow. I mean, that gentleman messaging you, how powerful is that? I mean, that that's a life-changing message in itself. Yeah, it certainly was. It certainly was. All right. Let's talk about some fun stuff here. Um, Ooh, <laughs> you are, okay. as, as we mentioned at the top, you're a thrill seeker. You did some shark cage diving, but um, some of those others I read, uh, base jumping, <laughs> climbing Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I believe you've even skydived. I, I, yes. You know, you, you're, an, you're an adrenaline junkie. Let, let's hear about it. I've been skydiving four times, actually. And I think it's become like this quest of how I can outdo myself. I actually broke my hip while climbing Mount Rushmore. Didn't know it. Didn't know it. And was on the road for the Miss USA, Miss Wheelchair USA tour for two months. And it was in so much pain (laughs) and didn't know why because I couldn't feel like below my uh, right at that line. So it was like a weird pain somewhere else. And then got back home. I found out I fractured my hip and I competed for the first time in Miss North Carolina USA with a fractured hip. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Little fun fact for you. Yep. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then how do you, take me through the logistics of base jumping. Oh goodness. So there are only two legal locations in the U.S. where you can base jump. I did do a legal jump and mine was off of a bridge. So it's basically where you have a parachute on your back and then just jump off something high. (laughs) When I did my jump in Twin Falls, Idaho, the guy was strapping me up and he said, I don't want you to worry. I've jumped with people who were paraplegics before. You're in in good hands. Um, And then he said, oh, but the guy who 
I jumped with was actually injured jumping off of this bridge. So, yeah, keep that in <laughs> mind. Like, Thanks a lot. I was like, why are you telling me this right now? <laughs> totally freaking me out. So now I can say I've done it. Might not do it again, but it was uh, a great experience <laughs> for sure. Well, hey, before we wrap up here, I'd always do my uh, 10 get to know you questions, a little rapid fire. Are you ready to do it? I'm ready to go. All right. Let's so here we this. go. Uh, how many hours of sleep do you need a night? Number one. Seven. Number yeah. two, do you believe in love at first sight? I do. I would say my boyfriend and I definitely had that moment. <laughs> cool. And by the way, he's a super nice guy. I mean, we met backstage there in North Yes, Carolina. you have met him. Yeah. Number three, how many <laughs> cups of coffee do you drink per day? Zero, because caffeine makes me a little crazy. Right, number, number four, what's the maximum number of spritzes of perfume before it's too much? Ooh, I would say two is probably a good number to stick with. All right, number five, <laughs> uh, it sounds like you've visited a lot of places, so what's the favorite place you've ever visited? The Almafi Coast in Italy. Uh, that was like two or three months ago, and I went kayaking around the island of Capri. Mm -hmm. That sounds very beautiful. All right, number six, <laughs> the last song that you listened to that you loved. Oh, Unstoppable by Sia. I think that's like my theme song. Um, and I heard it in Miss Universe this past Sunday, which is yes. cool. Number seven, what's mm -hmm. something you could eat for a week straight? <sighs> um, anything chocolate, but probably... Um, Oreos. Oh my God, I have such a sweet tooth. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> Oreo. <laughs> Number eight. Uh, what's your favorite clothing brand? Oh, BB. Love, love, love their stuff. Number nine. Uh, you inspire a lot of people, but who inspires you? Hmm. Oh, okay. Let me think. Um, this great podcast question. I always forget her name. For some reason, I'm blanking at the moment, but she is the founder of the Red Cross and she actually went and snuck in to the like front battlefield in the Civil War to help take care of wounded soldiers. Ended up founding a nonprofit nonprofit because of it and like changed the entire world. So she too inspires me with my humanitarian work. Long answer, sorry. Alright, number yeah. ten. Uh, last one. First celebrity crush. Who was it? Oh, oh goodness. First celebrity crush, it would have to be Channing Tatum. And I actually gave a speech about him in one of my public speaking classes, embarrassingly enough, about how, how awesome he was. So well, I have a feeling you'll meet him there one you of go. these days. <laughs> I just might. And hopefully he didn't listen to that confession. You never know. <laughs> Whatever you never I know. do. <laughs> All right, that's your 10 questions. You're off the hook. Thanks so much. And uh, look. Thank you for everything that you do. I think everybody listening is inspired by just hearing you talk and the attitude that you bring to the world and just how you uh, navigate things that, you know, for many of us would be incredibly challenging, but you, you take it with a, a grain of salt and just keep going. And I think we're all inspired by that. So I just, you know, for everybody listening, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for saying that, Tim. That means so much to hear. And Hopefully, I'll be seeing you next year at Miss North Carolina USA. For yeah, I was going to ask you. You've got uh, you got two years of eligibility left here. You you want to continue going? Yep, I I think um, I'm going to continue for next year. So 
we'll see what happens. Maybe this will be my year. You never know. <laughs> Very good. Well, Madeline, you're awesome. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. It's such an honor to be here. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Madeline Delp for her time. Now, if you want to follow Madeline on social media, you can check out her Instagram. It's at liveboundlessgirl, or go to her website, liveboundless.org. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube, or just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Matthew 5, 8. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Have an awesome week, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.